Hey, welcome to the podcast, today's Voices of Conservation Science. And I'm Chris Guy. I'm your host for today's podcast. This podcast focuses on people doing science that's then used to conserve natural resources. And today I'm here with Andy Pachani, and she is a graduate student at Montana State University in the Department of Ecology. Andy, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, Let's start off uh, by you telling us just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up in western North Dakota, a tiny town of uh, 2,500 people, um, Tioga, North Dakota. It's um, in the northwest corner there, about an hour from Canada and an hour from Montana. And then I uh, graduated high school and pursued college at North Dakota State University. I got a bachelor's of science in uh, fish and wildlife management in 2014. Um, After that, I... uh, scored an internship in Yellowstone National Park with the Native Trout Conservation Program, and uh, they weren't able to kick me out until recently. And recently, here I started grad school at Montana State in January. And scored's the the right word, right? Those are kind of hard to get, and a lot of people um, want to get into Yellowstone National Park and, and work. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I just hired a two technicians for my graduate research, and I had over 65 applicants. Wow. For yeah. the whole thing. That's awesome. Yeah. A lot of people will work for free, too, to be in the well, park, right? Yep. <laughs> so what compelled you to get a career in conservation? So what? I grew up um, kind of in the outdoors a lot. I had an innate love for all things that moved. Um, I would always be catching birds with nets and I would be, um, my grandpa had a farm. Um, and so I'd go out there with my uncle and catch frogs. And one time we caught this huge snapping turtle. Um, and I, I just always loved things that came from nature and, uh, fish ended up being one of them. Um, I remember once when I was little, we would go fishing and my dad would always have minnows for fishing. And one time I, uh, we had extra minnows after we were done fishing and I put all of the minnows into the bathtub. Um, I, I knew to use cold water because yeah. I knew fish didn't like warm water. I didn't know that fish do not like chlorine. <laughs> I cried a lot yeah, after they yeah. started dying one by one. And then you were like, I have to go into conservation to help all, <laughs> to, these, exactly. to help all these fish. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I think uh, that's one thing that we're seeing in common with, you know, all the folks uh, that uh, we're interviewing for this podcast, kind of this common um, trait of when they grew up being associated with their parents and and fishing and being in the the outdoors. That's great. So was there was there somebody that was really instrumental, maybe? that, that really got you interested in conservation, maybe in your kind of academic career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I took a conservation class in college, con bio, and uh, my professor, um, his name was Dr. Matthew Smith, and he was kind of a hard ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can swear. <laughs> that, that's not too bad. <laughs> Anyhow, he was a hard ass. And uh, uh, a lot of people really disliked that class, I think, because he made it difficult. And I just seemed to thrive in it, in that environment, and enjoyed the conceptual problems that were presented. Um, so he was a big factor in my conservation career, deciding to go that route. 
as well as my academic advisor, um, Dr. Gary Calambi. He's one of those people where you go into his class, and he was he was a plant guy. He studied um, plants mostly throughout his career, and he's retired now. But you would go into his class, and it would be the first day of class, and there would be close to fifty students, and he would know everyone's name. And he oh, would call that's, you out. So yeah, that's a trait impressive. I wish I had. <laughs> yeah, that, that does make a huge difference. Yeah, and so he yeah. was just really a very personal guy and someone that I really looked up to in my undergrad career. That's great. This is um, a bit of a tough profession to get into, and we we talked a little bit about that, kind of um, you scoring a position in Yellowstone uh, National Park. And so have you run into kind of some struggles or hurdles, we might say, getting into kind of the, the conservation profession and, and maybe you saw some frustrations, but you persevered? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so going into this career. I was in my junior year of college and trying to decide. I was originally a pre-vet major, and so I was going to be a veterinarian throughout the whole whole time I was in college. That was my plan. To, to save those fish. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, the last semester I was in college, I kind of totally changed routes, and after the internship, I decided that I wanted to pursue a career in conservation even though knowing that it was a difficult path to choose, um, mainly because it's so competitive. And so um, I ended up sticking with that route. And there have been a lot of crossroads that I've come to um, in deciding what I should do. The first one was whether to take the internship in Yellowstone. It was a non-paid internship um, versus taking a GS3 uh, technician position in North Dakota that was paid. But Yellowstone was with fish, and this other one was with birds. And I spent a lot of time trying to decide what I should do. And so I ultimately decided to do the fish one. So they liked me enough and kept me around in Yellowstone for a long time, and I'm very thankful for that. And uh, I did know that I had to get a degree or I should, you know, pursue a higher education um, in this field because it is so competitive. I've seen that with the hiring process and, um, you know, very many people would be applying for these positions and it would be, you know, and you're only hiring a couple of these hundreds of people that are applying. So I knew that I needed to move on. And um, so I applied for several graduate positions and I was unsuccessful for, you know, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I'd be really close, but couldn't, you know, nail that final nail into the, to the board and get it done. Um, until this position uh, came open. I'm now studying with Dr. Zale. Um, yeah, I think that's a <clears throat> a great uh, kind of message to get out there that, you know, to stick with it because um, we've had several undergraduates here that get frustrated when they don't get their first graduate position, but I've seen them all eventually get into a graduate position and, and uh, just be uh, – um, determine that you're going to get that yeah. and it'll, it'll come through. Consistent, keep applying and um, network. Yes, network. Um, I've had the pleasure of seeing several of your presentations um, and man, you work in some beautiful areas and I've seen pictures of, uh, of where you've had to helicopter into certain areas into Yellowstone because there's no road access or those kinds of things, man, what a, what a great place to work and what great experiences. And so I'm guessing that's all tied into your research. And so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about 
your research that you're doing um, for your master's degree. Yes, absolutely. Um, very spoiled. You're correct in the, how how great it is to be working in these remote places and getting the luxury of helicopter rides into the backcountry. Um, so Yellowstone has been awesome. I've been there for a few years, and um, Yellowstone's doing some great things. The fishery program is working on a lot of restoration projects, and the two that I'll talk about today are a restoration of West Slope Cutthroat Chow and Arctic Grayling in the, in the northwest corner of the park. Um, and so these projects, um, they're piscicide projects, which um, means that rotenone was used to remove non-native and hybridized fishes from the system, and, uh, and then uh, subsequent reintroduction of native fishes into the system. And so my research now is kind of this post-monitoring of these projects. So there are two streams in Yellowstone that I'm going to be studying, Specimen Creek and Grayling Creek. And they were both rotenone projects um, that removed non-native and hybridized fish and then reintroduced genetically pure native fish, um, West Slope Cutthroat Trout and Arctic Grayling. And so my research is going to go in and look at this post, uh, post-restoration project uh, monitoring. And so... I have several objectives. So you're trying to go in and evaluate um, how successful they were in restoring the populations in these streams. Is that it? Exactly. Yeah. And then this, I I would guess, is eventually going to guide or help them know whether they can have success doing this. And and if so, then they would move to other areas. Exactly. So... Um, Yellowstone uh, fisheries personnel have plans for other projects in Yellowstone. Um, you know, these are only two projects that happen, and there's at least, you know, three other ones that I know of that um, are being planned for the future. And so information gathered from my research may help uh, guide how those future projects are conducted. And I know, you know, your research is to figure this out, but if you could kind of crystal ball it for me, what do you think's the most important thing in um, achieving success in these restorations? Is it um, making sure you get rid of the, the invasive species completely? Is it how the new fish are introduced into the system? Maybe maybe it's not just one. I know ecology is a lot more complicated than that, but if you could kind of crystal ball it, what do you think it might be? Yeah, um, I think that the most important thing was, would be to make sure that there's an abundant abundant number of fish in the system. Um, they're genetically pure. What's the cutthroat trout, and for this example, um, were the ones that were hybridizing with non-native rainbow. So making sure that rainbow aren't in the system, I think, and other non-native fish such as brook trout and brown trout, making sure those fish aren't in the system are definitely going to be key in saying whether or not this was uh, successful. And then ultimately... I think that in Yellowstone especially, um, these populations that have been reintroduced need to be viably reproducing natural populations. So it's not, you know, something that fit, that managers are going to have to go in and keep stocking the system year after year after year. Um, and so if, if rainbow trout were in the system and they were reproducing, there's a strong chance that the habitat's there for cutthroat trout to be able to reproduce, right? Yeah. Would you say? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of interesting. And so just curious, um, do you have any preliminary data? Have you been into those streams and looked for any of the invasive species? Do you find any? 
Um, I have not been into Grayling Creek. Um, that restoration project happened more recently. Um, but in Specimen Creek, uh, the Park Service has been going in and doing some sampling, and so far non-native fish have not been found. And also in Specimen Creek, there's evidence that the population is naturally reproducing, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's that's really neat. So just uh, uh, changing the subject just a little bit, thinking about working in the backcountry and and chopping into these places, you got to have some good stories. You got to have a grizzly bear story, right? Oh, man. Do you guys run into those things? Do I? <laughs> well, first, I'm going to tell you about uh, Colleen Dejens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about a colleague. That's good. Colleen was my boss at Yellowstone for two years, and uh, she's also pursuing a master's degree. Um, maybe she's done this podcast, but if not, not she yet. should. Yeah, we should get her on here. But yeah. uh, we had an instance where we were sampling around Yellowstone Lake. She's using eDNA to assess abundance of spawning fish um, in Yellowstone Lake and around in the tributaries. And uh, we had an encounter with a grizzly bear um, at one of these tributaries, and it was just the two of us sampling back there, and boy, was that a rush. <laughs> um, the bear came up on us. Um, she was sitting on the bank and I was in the stream with holding the eDNA cup. And, uh, I heard a thud and a roar and oh. I look up and <laughs> all I see is the tail end of this bear running away, which thank oh, goodness yeah. it was running away. And boy, you sure learn a lot about yourself <laughs> when you when you're scared to death. Um, Did you head for the deep pool in the in the creek? No, I, I went to Colleen. Yeah. Save me, boss! <laughs> um, I just started yelling. I yeah. don't know what words were coming out of my mouth, but it was loud and yeah. I was scared. Yeah, well, be safe out there. Yeah, I will. Um, so thinking about your research and just, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit when I asked you the question about um, what's the most important thing that could, you know, indicate or, or, or help be successful in restoration. But in terms of your research, again, just thinking about it, what's, what do you think's the most important thing you could discover out there? Uh, forest fens, <laughs> treasure chests. <laughs> That's the most important one That's for me. That's the most anyhow. important one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> that the most important thing I could find out there would be uh, that, well, in Grayling Creek, it'd be awesome if the Grayling were staying in the system. And um, their life history, they spawn a little bit earlier than Westlip cutthroat trout and, or earlier in life. And so... I could possibly document the first uh, spawning of Arctic grayling in the system. And so it'd be really cool to know that they are staying in the system and they're possibly spawning in there. Um, and then the same goes with the West Slope cutthroat trout, you know, in future years that they are naturally spawning in the system. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. And just, I mean, you think about the work you're doing and a lot of the work that the graduate students are doing that are, that we feature on this podcast. I mean, it's, it's legacy type work. The things you're doing in terms of um, helping restore West Slope cutthroat trout or Arctic grayling is just, um, it's things that future generations long after we're gone are going to continue to enjoy. So um, kudos to you for um, pursuing this research and, and this degree. Um I like to kind of mix it up a little bit towards the end and ask uh, folks what their favorite plant, animal, or both are. 
and uh you know you could you, you could pick those little fish if you want that you, you had the, <laughs> the minnows, <laughs> the minnows. <laughs> um yeah so i i decided to go with um for my favorite animal i picked a horse um when i was younger that was one of my dreams to always have a horse and i did have one for a short period of time but unfortunately it didn't work out for too long um and so in the future i would like love a little farm with a horse on it and just what majestical creatures they are and they're big and you know they can be ridden which is exciting um i might get to use them a little bit for my graduate research hiking up into some places um and then I also picked a forget-me-not for my favorite flower. And I chose this one because I uh, read a memoir once um, when I was in North Dakota about um, a climber who had an accident and perished, but um, his wife wrote a memoir about him called Forget-Me-Not. And uh, I'd never seen a forget-me-not before mm-hmm. until I came to Montana. And now nice. you know, they're beautiful, delicate yes. little blue flowers, and they're yep. my favorite. Very good. And those horses, kind of going back to that, can help do things uh, in the backcountry, like maybe pack out some meat. So mm-hmm. if you got a horse, you know, we might have to <laughs> talk about that during the fall. Only if you tell me where your hunting spots are. <laughs> That's top secret. <laughs> okay. So, Andy, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, I wish you the best of uh, luck in your studies at Montana State University and your research in Yellowstone National Park, and be safe out there in the backcountry. And that's it for today. Thanks for listening to today's Voices of Conservation Science, and please spread the word about this podcast.